Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of In Search of the Story. Uh, today, it's Olivia and Chris again. Hello. That's going to be normal. <laughs> there she is. There's me. That's going to be... That's going to be the normal, uh, the normal lineup for this one. Um, again, if you missed it, Olivia jumped in on Gaming Historia this week. Uh, if you're listening to it this week, she jumped in on the episode that was about uh, AAA and indie games. So if, if you just can't get enough of our dynamic duo, go check that out. Um, and that's, that's the, the news there. What we're covering today... Because we're recording this in March, and it's International Women's Month. And yesterday was yesterday was International Women's Day. Yeah, so the 8th was Women's Day. We're recording on Friday the 9th, and we're, instead of going out and doing stuff and, you know, having lives, we're staying in late at night, rocking the podcast. So um, once you hear this... It will have been almost a week ago that Women's Day happened, but we're recording it the day after. So today we are going to be covering female protagonists in video games, women in games, and uh, I wanted to, yeah, and this is obviously as the person who never shuts up, I'm actually going to try to shut up more on this because never being a woman myself, I don't have um, as much experience being a woman, as Olivia does. Um, well, having the perspective I, I first... <laughs> of a gamer playing as a, a a woman gamer playing as a woman, you definitely don't have that perspective. I don't have that either. Like, I just, you know, I understand women. I've been married for long enough, and I have a daughter. Do you though? So, do you understand well, women? No, I I don't understand them generally. I don't even know if they can be understood, and I don't mean that offensively. I have just learned how to survive. Um, <laughs> So you, you understand the women in your life. Yes. And with a daughter and a wife, I've understood, uh, I've learned how to keep myself from being grounded daily, um, <laughs> which has been the trick. But before we get into, uh, um, okay, so let's start off. Olivia is going to start us off with who we're talking about today. And we're going to go through the history of, you probably know who the biggest female protagonist in any game is of all time and we're going to start talking about her and then we'll get to some others later on yeah fire away olivia Woo! okay let's get into it so today i wanted to start off talking about a personal favorite of mine and uh as some call her the first lady of gaming the fabulous lara croft lady lara croft i guess so um just to do some due diligence, and because as you all know, if you've listened to our past podcasts, I am a huge fan of doing my research and having an outline, which we rarely go by. So I wanted to talk a little bit just about her history and uh, the games that she's been in, and we'll, we'll just kind of go from there. So the first Tomb Raider game, which she is the main female protagonist and reached a critical acclaim in. Uh, the first Tomb Raider game was released in 1996, uh, and of course the Tomb Raider franchise has grown incredibly huge. There's over a dozen games, multiple blockbuster movies, with the most recent installment coming out, I believe a week from today actually. Um, I think there was an animated series, there were books, there were comics, 
Apparently there was even like an amusement park ride named after her or after the Tomb Raider franchise, which is awesome. Was that a, a universal? I, I seem to remember something about that. Do you I, know where that was? I think it or was. Or Six Flags maybe? I don't think it was Six Flags. I think it was Universal, but I could <laughs> definitely be wrong. Um, I didn't look too much into the amusement park ride. <laughs> Somebody will let us know if they're listening. Okay. Um, so early on, uh, Core Design, uh, I actually don't know if Core Design is still around, but uh, the artist Toby Gard uh, initially came up with the idea of this Indiana Jones-like character uh, that was going to solve puzzles and be an archaeologist and dig up all these priceless artifacts. Um, but somehow their team eventually decided on a braided-haired, uh, gun-wielding woman named Laura Cruz. Uh, but because the company was British-owned, they changed her name to Laura Croft to reflect uh, more of that British ownership. And so with this first game, it was like, massively successful because they shook up this formula that people were so used to like a male dominated hero mold uh in games at that time again this is in 1996 uh and that first game sold over 7 million units worldwide um again like uh, that first game premiered to amazing reviews uh followed almost exactly one year later by tomb raider 2 and then Almost exactly another year later, Tomb Raider 3. And it was by the third one that they hit their first downward trend. Uh, they, they really wanted to try something new in their formula, but just weren't really, and by they, I mean core design, they weren't really in a place to do that. Um, so then it was the last revelation in Chronicles, so that's technically 4 and 5, um, that they were kind of just using the same formula and uh, fans were kind of getting disinterested. And then they kind of went into a quiet period until 2001 when the first Hollywood movie featuring Lara Croft came out and starring one of my favorite actresses of all time, Angelina Jolie. And even though... I've never seen it. You've never seen Lara Croft? I never saw the movie. Tomb Raider. Nope. Well. <laughs> I know. It is, it is a great, great time. Uh, I know... People kind of the critics kind of shat on it, but um, it well, was it was apparently uh, one of the most. It was the second most successful video game adaptation in the world, but the most successful video game Mario adaptation Brothers. in the U.S. What? <laughs> Mario Brothers. It has to be Mario Brothers. <laughs> oh, who was the most successful? I didn't know there was yeah. a Mario Brothers movie ab- adaptation. Was it? Oh, was it outside mm-hmm. the U.S.? No, it was, uh, it was, was it, uh, oh crap. well, say what the, say what the real one is. And then I'll tell you, I just went blank on their names. I'll tell you. I don't, I don't know what the most successful, I think it said Prince of Persia when I was doing my research. Does that sound? Interesting. I, I mean, Prince of Persia had Jake Gyllenhaal in it. I, you know, I don't mind watching him. So, uh, um, I think there might've been one before that with, with him. Most successful video game adaptation. Okay, we are going to do a podcast about the Mario Brothers movie, and you're going to watch it. It has Bob Hoskins. Okay, yeah, I, 
I don't think I watched that. We wanted to, but we never did, and it just kind of fell by the side. Um, but we are going to cover either either in another podcast or as part of this, we are going to cover the Mario Brothers movie, and you're going to have to watch it. It has Mario played by Bob Hopkins, or Hoskins, Luigi's John Leguizamo, and King Koopa is Dennis Hopper. Oh. And it is it is the strangest and he's not even a makeup, he just has like spiky hair. <laughs> um and he uses he uses like the uh a bazooka, but it's made out of like the bazooka light gun that they used back on the Super Nintendo, the super shooter or whatever it's called. Um it's a mess of a movie, but uh we need to go back, we need to watch it, and then we need to discuss it and give it a real review. <laughs> okay. Um, because you're missing out by not seeing that movie. Well, that if you off. say that to me, then you need to watch Laura Croft. I will. I, I definitely will. Okay. Oh God. Now I guess I'm. I have to watch. <laughs> I have to okay. Watch well, that. we'll do that. We'll do a a follow up in a couple weeks, where we will talk about Mario Brothers, Prince of Persia, and the Tomb Raider movies. Those three. As... No, I didn't. I didn't want to watch Prince of Persia either. <laughs> well, well, guess what. <laughs> No. We, we might as well because we mentioned it, so we should cover all three. Okay. And and that'll give us three different – because Prince of Persia is one of my favorite games of all time, So, and Tomb Raider is one of your favorite of all time. So we might as well both see the movies for them and then discuss how they translated, and then we'll watch Mario Brothers because we should share in the pain. Okay. So. But you haven't seen the Prince of Persia movie either. No, so th- what a great way for us to go into something new and me possibly be completely destroyed by the fact that my favorite franchise and one of my favorite actors was in a terrible movie. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, well I, think it's, I think it's worth doing. I, okay. At least Mario and Laura Croft, but I, I think Prince of Persia should be thrown in. No, I'm just being a wimp about it. I Unless you want to do World of version. Warcraft. I no, I, I don't know if you were <laughs> reading my notes, but I have I have some choice words for World World of Warcraft. Or I guess it was just called Warcraft, but for some reason I have this weird aversion to I guess I'm very selective when it comes to film adaptations for video games. And the only, oh God, and I'm going to get so much shit for saying this, but the only other adaptation movie that I actually really liked was Doom with The Rock <laughs> and Are you Carl kidding? Urban. <laughs> I completely forgot that even existed. I know. I so not... many other people did too. <laughs> did I miss where you said something about Warcraft in here? In my notes, I just have... Uh, the ticket sales for Tomb Raider reached $274 million worldwide, which set it as the second most successful video oh, game adaptation. sucks to suck, Warcraft. <laughs> yeah, and the most successful yeah. video game adaptation from the U.S. Sucks to suck, yes. Warcraft. Yep, and by the way, Core Design closed down eight years ago this month. So uh, just to circle back to what we were talking about. Cause, right. Um, so. Yeah, I can pick up my history lesson really quick because I'm like almost done. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to completely derail us, but no, that's you know, okay. I know the, that's what the, I do. the history lesson is not as is exciting, but I just wanted to give the users some background because yeah, she's such an iconic figure that you kind of have to know a little bit more about why she got so iconic. Right. So 
I guess we have illustrated enough how incredibly successful the first video, or sorry, the first film was. Uh, so that was in 2001, and then a sequel followed two years later, 2003, called Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life, which I also loved. Great movie. I, I loved it for completely different reasons than the first one, but sadly it did not achieve the same success, didn't sell nearly as many tickets. Um, and it was at that time that Core Design released Tomb Raider, The Angel of Darkness, which was kind of their first uh, rethinking of Laura and a new storyline and trying to shake up that formula. And sadly, the game uh, just, oh God, people were very critical of it. They weren't fans of it. It was the second least successful game. Um, And so because the film came out at the same time, uh, the studio that made the film blamed the lack of success of the film on the lack of success of the game at the time. So it was just kind of a bad dynamic all around. Bad, sadly, bad year for Lara. I remember that game dropping in price like a, I mean, it was like a dollar bin game really, really fast because I was working video game retail at the time and it, we expected it to be a big day and you know, normally a big release, you have, you know, the the first couple hours of your day are super busy, and then the evening super busy. I had two people scheduled that morning, and we probably saw two or three people that day. And then that night, we saw maybe a quarter of, of regular traffic. Like, it almost drove people away, it felt like. Um, it just... It bombed. I, I, you know, normally at least people will show up to buy it, but you mean on the day of the release, interested. that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. There was just there was no at least at my store, and I, it's a small sample size, but we had nobody showing up to buy that game. It was a very very slow day. I remember it very clearly because it was like, oh, cool, the new Tomb Raider's coming out, and I'd read up on it, and I wasn't too sure about it, but you know, because they were going a very different direction than mm-hmm. what I was used to, and it was just. It it dropped in price very, very quick, and we had tons of them just sitting around the store. Oh, that's heartbreaking to hear, because I remember picking up that game, and this was still at a point in my life where I, like, didn't really talk about my gaming with anyone else. So I remember going in and playing this and not really having any exposure to, like, people thinking, like, oh, there's a lot of, like, issues with the mechanics, like, the narrative is confusing, you know, all of these negatives so going in i had so much trouble playing through the game and i was like is this just me like why am i having such a hard time like using the controls and i have no idea what's going on and what i'm actually looking for and the game was actually like the story itself was really dark and scary and i remember i i like pushed on through and i got to this point where you're in this, uh, oh God, I don't even know where the heck I was. I was in some, some kind of like derelict museum, I think. And, um, you get to a point where you start playing as the guy in the story. And my save point kept loading me somewhere where I just was completely out of ammunition and 
this weird like zombie like thing is coming at you that doesn't have arms but it's these long like ribbon like rubbery i can't even explain what it is but it it was terrifying because all i could do is just stand there and let it kill me so that was my last experience of that game and needless to say it was really disappointing i imagine yeah but luckily uh in 2006 so three years after that uh core design uh gave the helm over to crystal dynamics and they kind of shook everything up redesigned laura gave her a new backstory they even included like cinematics in their new installment so tomb raider legend came out in 2006 and that was vastly more successful and uh it looked like laura was back on track um, oh, and I forgot to mention during her like heydays when in in like the late '90s when she was, you know, being hailed as this Wonder Woman, you know, just everyone was loving her. She was actually on the cover of Time Magazine and Newsweek, and she was selling like Coca Cola and all kinds of all kinds of different products. So. She, she really had it going on, and luckily in 2006, she made her comeback. Uh, and people were generally happy with Legend because all the new uh, mechanics. Uh, and then two years later, uh, Underworld came out. Um, and this was the first game where they actually modeled Lara's body after an actual person. Instead of it being completely um, you know, computer-generated, they actually used the Olympic gymnast Heidi Moneymaker. I don't recognize that name, but that's what I that's what I found in my research and I trust my research. <laughs> um Yeah. Uh and from there there was like a a game uh called like the Crystal not the Crystal Skull. Uh, gosh. I I never paid attention <laughs> to what was the, the I didn't even put this in my notes. That's how little I cared about this game. Uh Lara Croft uh what Gosh, I'm sorry, guys. I need a need a moment. the The temple of oh god, is this it? Temple of Osiris? That's not it. Uh, it was a co op where she was playing. Oh yeah, the top down. Yeah, I again, I cared so little. Guardian of Light. That's what it was. So in that gap after Underworld, they released Lara Croft and the Guardian of Light, and she was playing with. You, you played with, a, I guess, a, another character. Um, and then finally, in 2013, uh, Crystal Dynamics announced this incredible reboot simply titled Tomb Raider. And it was essentially an origin story for Laura. Um, and it gave players a chance to experience Laura's transformation into this hardened explorer that we all know and recognize and who she was first introduced to us as uh and in this one they took like so many painstaking details to make laura more lifelike than ever um there are like plenty of videos on all the the detail they put into her skin and different uh ways it would react to light and uh, mud and blood and water and all kinds of crazy things. Um, and then in 2016, Rise of the Tomb Raider, uh, which is 
the sequel to the reboot. Also in- incredible visually. Um, and then I actually read that someone saw a developer on a train in Montreal and they were looking at a PowerPoint on their phone or something like that. And I guess they worked for Crystal Dynamics and whatever it was on their phone said Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Uh, and so people have known that there were supposed to be three games coming out in this style with Laura like early on in her career. So looks like Shadow of the Tomb Raider is going to be the, the next game. Uh, I think they're going to be announcing it this year. Um, but that kind of yeah, brings us to today. It's going to release this year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it looks like it's going to be Shadow of the Tomb Raider releasing this year before 2018 is over. Um. Yeah, they confirmed there's another game on the way, and it will be here before 2018. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, so before the end of the year. So, um, yeah, I imagine they're gonna go. They're probably gonna go much darker with it, um, because it's been getting darker and more brutal. So I imagine it's just gonna get even more so. So, um. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. They've they've done very very well with the relaunch of these uh, of the Tomb Raider games. Oh yeah, like shockingly well. So, and Crystal Dynamics has some some chops. I mean, they know what they're doing whenever they're making games. But you know, to take an established franchise with such a history and then make it feel fresh again, uh, it, like, but still feel like it's paying, uh, you know, giving respect to to its source that was i was very very impressed yeah i totally agree they they like shook up some of the elements that people like know and recognize as laura like she always has her hair braided she's always wearing her like turquoise top and wielding two guns and in the reboot you use your bow and arrow more than anything and oh yeah and it's awesome and her hair is in a ponytail like i just I couldn't agree more. Like I, th- I thought they found the perfect balance of like, okay, she's early on in her career. Like, she's still kind of a kid, and she doesn't even end up with like two guns in her hands until one of like the last cinematic cutscenes. And and then in Rise of the Tomb Raider, I don't think you ever have two guns in your hand again. Like she uses all kinds of weapons, which is yeah, nuts. And and her thing is, she's just tough as nails. Like she can just take a beating, and she keeps on going and. You know, it's, they, they don't, the thing that I like about the new Tomb Raiders is that they, they didn't give her any kind of superpower. She felt very, very human. Yeah. She was just tough as shit. Like, I mean, you could beat her up and she would just get up. She was just so defiant and so stubborn that, you know, it was nothing to her. She would get back up and fight and. You know, of course, unless you got killed, then you got to see some horrifically brutal oh my God. death scene, and those <laughs> those are fantastic. And some sometimes they would make me laugh because they were so over the top. But I mean, it, for the most part, it was just like, man, she's taking a beating and she just keeps on going, and it it made her feel just like a, a human. It made her feel real. So uh, I think that's what they really captured with that game more than anything else. Yeah, I think they were really doing their due diligence and trying to show that she's like a survivor. She's going to keep going. And yeah, those death scenes, I just, they make, 
at least when I was playing it, it made me feel so guilty. Like, oh my God, oh, yeah. like I'm going to do everything I can to not kill her again because she like, um, there's a part where you have a, like a parachute and you're like paragliding or whatever through the tree line. And if you like make one wrong move, you get like impaled by a branch and yeah. oh my God, like, <laughs> and that part was difficult for me to navigate because you couldn't tell if you were too close to a tree or not half the time. And right. oh my God, that was terrible. <laughs> the the one, I, I think I'm remembering it right. I think there's a spike that actually goes through her head. Like it, like there's a, was it in a, little cave or something and you fall and there's these spikes and... oh it goes like up through her chin yeah and the first time i saw it i was like oh good lord that's <laughs> that was a shock because it, it comes out of nowhere like you fall and you get to see that scene and the next time it happened to me again because i screwed up again and whatever i just kind of laughed i was like oh this is this is so violent and over the top and more yeah. than i ever expected from a tomb raider game this is awesome it's so yeah. funny and it's <laughs> every damn time every time yeah. i mean they, they really go for it i'm like man how did how did she she's not wearing any bandages i don't know how she got back up out of that <laughs> but that's kind of what i to segue into our larger discussion that's kind of what i like more about the way women are being presented in video games and other other media as well like Women are so freaking tough. Like, in my opinion, I think oftentimes women have a higher pain tolerance than men. And it's really cool to see these representations of these badass women. Like, I don't know about you guys who are Game of Thrones fans out there, but like, I'm thinking Brienne of Tarth. Like, when she defeats the Hound in hand-to-hand combat, even though that didn't happen in the books, in the show, that was like fucking Oh, oh, sorry, Chris. Oh, it, no, sorry, we're explicit. Sorry, sorry. It's fine. Okay. Well, I've already said a ton of bad words this Yeah, it's this explicit. Show, say say whatever the hell you got to say. When she defeated the Hound, it was so brutal. And like seeing a girl that can kick ass like that, those representations are what we need. Like so badass. And so Laura will take a beating. She'll get shot. She'll get stabbed and fall off a cliff and then get thrown into a river and pull herself out of the river and keep going. And so that was kind of, I guess, what we wanted to focus on this whole show was just talking about badass representations of of women in games. And we have a, a list of, of women we want to talk about, but... Um, I guess Chris, I'll I'll give you a chance to talk because I've been going on and on and on with my hey, history lesson. <laughs> hey, that's that's what the start of this was, and and again, I'll, I'll reiterate in case you missed it at the beginning, we're going to dodge the objectification stuff because that'll be covered in another one. That's a hot button subject. We're not going to worry about that today. We're going to just talk about women in games, whatever your personal opinions are of that stuff. We'll get to that today. We're just talking about the protagonist, what we like about them. It's a celebration as opposed to a um, heated discussion about it. Um, yeah, celebration. So, Woo, go women. Yeah, so that that's what this is. And and we'll hit other stuff too. We'll talk about men in games and stuff like that. And, you know, we're going to hit everything. Don't 
Don't think we're playing just to only women get their time in the light. We're going to hit everybody. Um, and Nathan Drake and the Hound keep on getting their thing. I already um, said the Hound. <laughs> yeah, so so obviously they'll probably, you know, we'll probably have to start a whole new podcast where, she, where Olivia can just talk about the Hound. Yeah. Um, oh, it'll be like an open love letter. <laughs> yeah, and we will make sure that he gets it. And, oh. And then uh, <laughs> you'll have to invite us to the wedding and the party and all that. Um, so I love Laura. So I'm going to say one thing about Lord Croft early on, the very first box art, I had a conversation with a friend of mine. Um, it was what, 96 is when the first one came out? Uh-huh. So we, you know, at that time in the early 90s, and again, we're not going to get into objectification, but it was big at that point. And people had issues with how she was portrayed. You know, the triangles, you know, giant triangles on her chest were how she was represented. Um, But I think that that is what got a lot of guys to pick up the box in the first place. Because you couldn't go to YouTube. You couldn't watch videos of it. You couldn't do any of that. It it was going to be another almost 10 years before YouTube would be around or, or anything like that. So you knew nothing about the game. So... I think there was a an element of get people to look at it and check it out. And once we did, some of my best gaming memories come from Tomb Raider games, like going up against the T-Rex. Mm. I'm, I'm glad I picked it up. And I was asking a friend whenever we started talking about this, if it looked like just random Harrison Ford knockoff, would we have picked up that game because we were working together at the time? said, would we have grabbed that game and looked at it? And we weren't sure if we would have. So we will get into that conversation at some point. I just I want uh, I I just have to kind of mention that there that that got into a bunch of people's hands, and that's what I like so much about the evolution of Lara over the last what twenty years now. Yeah. Um, is she went from a a character that was just a character in a video game, you know, wearing short shorts in a cave while she's going tomb raiding. That didn't make sense, but that's where games were at that point. And, but I still had a lot of fun, you know, running around in a cave with the gun, shooting up a T-Rex. There was, I think the second one you got to actually, actually explore her mansion and stuff, which was awesome. That was like, I spent hours doing that just because it was fun. And then it kind of went downhill and there was no longer the appeal of who she was because there wasn't a lot of character behind her in those early games. There, there was a little bit here and there, and you got some of her snippiness and some of her, her, uh, you know, the wisecracking sides of of who Laura was, Laura was. But um, it, it, she wasn't. She didn't feel like a fully fleshed out character yet. She felt like a video game character. And you know, as time went on, there were some misses and stuff. But it ultimately got back to where those first moments where I fought against the T Rex, where it was nothing like what I expected I'd be doing. And I always thought it was weird she was fighting against dinosaurs, but, you know, as you played it more, you start to understand these weird things are going to happen in Tomb Raider games. But then whenever the new one, whenever just Tomb Raider came out, the the remake or the, you know, the full relaunch of it, I got that same feeling again. I was like, man, this is, whenever you're sliding down that, that water tube type thing, you know, in the cave, and then trying to walk through it with the, you know, and she's just 
huffing and puffing and you can tell she's in pain and she's struggling but she keeps on moving mm-hmm. i got that same feeling like this is the most beautiful thing and she actually develops into a real character you actually see emotions to her at that point so it's been i think that that whenever we do get to, to talking more in depth about the industry as a whole she's a perfect representation of what has happened in the industry that we went from video game characters to just characters and she is now a character with deep emotions as opposed to somebody who just runs and shoots dinosaurs and stuff and shorts in a cave. Um, you know, and I want to so, add, uh, you oh, know, sorry, No, I mean, I, that, that was it. I mean, that's, that's why I really like the relaunches because it, it shows that the industry has matured and we're, we're getting characters like that, that have this very human, I mean, it's not Silicon I mean, it's not uh, the Uncanny Valley thing where you think they're real, but they have such a. It, it, you, my my wife can watch it and she can get invested in it because the characters are so well portrayed and so deep and stuff. So it's it's interesting to look at it over twenty years how much she's evolved and and the industry evolved with her or she evolved with the industry depending on which way you look at it. Um, so yeah, I I I like Lara Croft a whole lot and I think there's a lot more to dive into her history and her story and who she is as we get into uh uh more hot and button issues later on but she's a she's definitely the biggest female character out there for a reason yeah i couldn't agree more i think i think also with the reboot the production value just simply seems to have gone up along with technology like i think those kind of go hand in hand like you know more detailed story, uh, motion capture, actors, uh, you know, what have you. And all that goes into making a better experience for the player. And when you can really parse out the details of Laura's character, that's when it's it makes her more lifelike than ever. Uh, and not just in a visual sense, but in like connecting with her as a human. And being able to right. connect with that character like you would in a book or a TV show. But that being said, I'm really interested to see where the how the new movie is going to play out because I know they're going with the uh, reboot route, like storyline in terms of Lara being early on in her career. Um, and I really like Alicia Vikander too. Um, but. I'm I'm nervous, man. I'm, to be completely honest, I I I just hope they do do Laura some justice. You know, I think I think Star Wars kind of, and I'm and I'm not a Star Wars fan, and I know that's going to upset listeners because I'm supposed to be. My wife's a huge Star Wars fan. I enjoy Star Wars, but of all the episodes out there, Episode Seven's my favorite. I thought that it was a great story that they you know Daisy Ridley played her role perfectly it was you know I never felt like you know it felt like I was watching episode four again it felt like I was watching the first one again because it was there were so many similarities but ultimately that like in that one I whenever I first saw it I was like man there's I don't even see Luke in this like it's a whole new reboot with a character that doesn't even look like a Jedi at this point but once you get there like you see this origin of this girl who's just tough as nails and she's smart as a whip and she's charismatic and she's funny and you know there's all these things behind her and and it made me love that one and um 
you know, and then and then the lightsaber battle, the you know, against Kylo at the end of mm-hmm. uh, of Episode Seven is just one of those badass moments that you're just like, man, like the, the she just has something, and you know, Daisy Ridley, Daisy Ridley is going to do three Star Wars films. She's going to be done, and I think that's awesome. You know, I see her story through and and go from there. So, I, hopefully, with Tomb Raider, I'm getting that same kind of gut reaction from looking at the Tomb Raider that we're going to get something along those lines, something that's that's raw and you know she's not going to be what you expect she's going to be very human and there's gonna be vulnerabilities to her and there's gonna be toughness to her and you know some humor and you know a whole array of different emotions and a whole array of different skills and 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 things that she brings to to whatever she has to face in the movies and so i'm cautiously optimistic about it but I think Daisy Ridley sold me on, if you're going to do an origin of anybody, I'm, I'll try it out because, you know, not being a Star Wars fan and all of a sudden that's one of my favorite movies that, you know, that's a, that's a big thing. So hopefully, hopefully they pull off something along the same lines with that. And it, and it looks like they could, you know, they're, she looks the part to me. She looks, I mean, she looks like Tomb Raider to me. So, or Tomb Raider. She looks like Lara to me. She looks like a Tomb Raider. Yeah. Well, I, I I get the comparison you're going for, but wasn't uh, Ray a completely new character, like in the Star Wars yes. universe? Like Laura's, you know, established this film, and Alicia has Angelina Jolie to live up to, and that's kind of a hard bar. <laughs> but again, I know they're going at, yeah. at this story from a completely different angle, and. I think she can do it. Like she, I've seen the promotional videos and her doing her training and setting up all these stunts and all that kind of thing. Like there's a dynamite cast. Like Dominic West is her father. I love Dominic West. Oh, Walton he's Goggins awesome. is the bad guy. He's awesome. One of my favorite, favorite, maybe an underrated bad guy. Who, like I don't know who he is. Uh, Walton Goggins. He was. <laughs> He was uh, in Shanghai Noon way back when with Jackie oh, Chan and uh, Owen Wilson. He was like their, uh-huh. their crazy compadre that like was just winging it. Um, who, what else was he in? He was in uh, Justified. He was like the bad guy in Justified. Uh, he's right now in Vice Principals. Uh, is that ringing any bells? Well, I we were going to watch Justified and then... We watched some of it, and then it got put on the back burner to watch it another time. Um, mm. Walter, what's his last name? Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins. Yeah. Maybe if I see him, I'll recognize him. Because yeah. I've watched Oh, yeah, this dude. Yeah. Yes. he's the. For those who don't know who he is, he's that guy. You'll, that, that's exactly what you're going to say. As soon as you look him up, you're going to go, oh, he's that guy. Yeah. Um, He's the one who's like, I'm just winging it, Roy. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll immediately say, oh, yeah. He was in The Hateful Eight. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, who was he in The Hateful Eight? Um, he was one of the... He was the sheriff in Hateful Eight. If, I'm pretty sure he dies because everyone dies in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Oops, spoilers, Spoiler. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a Tarantino film, so if you didn't know that already... That's your fault. Um, oh well, obviously, Cowboys and Aliens. Everybody oh, has I seen never that, saw that, so oh, I haven't either. Um, uh, let's see. He, oh, here we go. The next Karate Kid. He was in that. 
I didn't see the, that one either. The one with Hillary Duff. <laughs> oh, Hillary. Is it Hillary Duff or who? Was, yeah, Hillary Swank. I'm sorry, Hillary Swank. Oh, I was like, um, what? Yeah, she was. That was the worst Karate Kid. Um, well, moving on. It's. It looks like it's a good cast. You'll recognize him. Yeah, uh, it sounds like it from from and Dominic West is awesome. Yeah. So, so it's just it is so exciting that women are being portrayed in this way and shown that like we are just as tough as the dudes that you see on screen no matter if you're watching a movie tv show or playing a video game so do why don't we open it up to talk about some other awesome female protagonists that uh, I can talk about the ones that I love and the ones that have inspired me and the ones I have on my walls in my room. <laughs> oh, um, I or, did not know that. That'll or, be interesting. I just have, I guess I technically have two that are on my walls. Well, one one's not really a specific person, but one is. Well, well don't keep us in suspense. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, go for I it. Let's, let's just get that out first. of the way right I now. I thought you were going to go first. So I'm looking at, right now, I'm looking at Emily Caldwin from Dishonored 2. Right. Um, I love her so much. I, I realize we don't get as much uh, in-depth background knowledge about her character because she's just a child in the first Dishonored. Um, but... Uh, I admittedly did not play the first Dishonored, so my first exposure to the series was in Dishonored 2, and naturally, in the beginning, when you're given the choice between Emily and Corvo, of course, I picked Emily. Uh, One thing you will learn about me is that any opportunity I have to play as a female protagonist, I will take that opportunity. Well, that's just crazy talk. And something I would like to talk about in another episode, perhaps, is the dynamic that I felt as a woman... Because I, of course, went back and played the game through as Corvo, her father, uh, after I played as Emily the first time around. And I felt such a weird dynamic playing the game through again as a man. And I would love to discuss that in another episode. It was so bizarre. Like, it would influence my choices and the guilt I would feel when I would kill people. Incredible. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Incredible. It was, uh, I actually had an amazing conversation with an Uber driver when PAX was going on out here. Um, and I was sort of talking to him about that. Anyway, okay. Uh, Emily. Looking at Emily right now, and she, she for me, was just kind of like the epitome of what I would want to be like, I think. Or, or like if I, if I had my choice to play, to like, I'm not explaining myself well. Like, like Laura, <laughs> she, she's a... Uh, I guess high society young woman and uh, lives in a palace of sorts. And uh, for those of you who don't really know the premise of Dishonored, basically she comes into power of her fictional um, land when she's very young. Her mother is assassinated, and that's kind of how the first uh, first Dishonored goes. But she she takes on the role of being the empress with her dad, uh, the royal protector, by her side. And so without giving too much away in Dishonored 2, basically her throne is usurped from out from under her. And she goes on the run uh, as in kind of like exile to get her throne back. Not unlike Daenerys Targaryen. 
And <laughs> I <Yep>. just <laughs> loved the element of stealth in this game. Uh, I think another thing that really drew me to this character was uh, her wardrobe. Um, <laughs> that sounds stupid when I say it out loud, but whenever yeah. I what <laughs> when I think of like my wardrobe, it it's like prepare for prepare for the nuclear fallout, and and so when I look at Emily, she has this like cool like face mask kind of thing that's also a cowl slash scarf, and this like hooded cloak jacket thing but it's like this rich detailed embroidery it's just it it is beautiful to behold and on top of all of that she not only is able to use all of these cool weapons but she has these incredible powers if you choose to accept the mark of the outsider and that's your choice and if you don't then you won't have those powers and you go you can still play through the entire game but uh, I would think it would be a little more difficult, or you just have to get a little more creative, I guess. But the powers give you these in- incredible, like you can get so creative with how you work around a problem, or like uh, this game just kind of allowed me to be. It it like helps you with your problem solving. Like you can a- attack an obje- an objective from so many different angles that like any playthrough is it's never ever ever going to be the same and and so that was kind of the the first woman that i wanted to talk about was emily caldwin uh chris do you do you want to do you want to take the reins because i i have been rambling on well i mean as you should i i do have um looking over your notes most most of the most of the women that you pointed out in your notes, uh, same things. I, I I agree with you, and we'll we'll touch on those. But there's one that um, there there's a I I don't know if you've ever played them, but we were looking at the Chloe and I were looking at the uh, uh, eShop on the Switch the other day, um, looking for something else for because we're gonna get that show going again with her, and and we we're looking for another game that she could play, and I was looking for something that she would like because she's into genies and she wants to play as a girl and all that stuff. You know, she's, she's a young girl and she wants to, she, she likes playing as princess peach and, um, and Toadette and Mario Kart, but she wants to play. And, and I, I keep on almost saying what I'm going to say, but in cars three, she always plays the girl's car, the girl cars. So she doesn't want to play Mario because she, she wants to play as girls and stuff like that. So, we were looking around and we saw Shantae, which is a game that I've known about forever, but I've never actually sat down and played. And so we bought Shantae and she's, it's, it's, it looks like a real cartoon whenever you're playing it. It's, it's some of the most beautiful animation I've ever seen. Um, my wife questioned my decision whenever she saw some of it because um, the art is closer to a pinup style art than it is to a cartoon art, but she doesn't notice that yet. Like she just sees like, this is a cool genie that can run around and she hits people with her hair and she can turns and in, turn into trees. She can turn into a monkey, which she does all the time and just runs around the city. Um, and it's a side scrolling, like, let me fix that. It's a side scrolling, like Mario style game with jumping and puzzles and like Metroidvania games. 
where you get more and more powers and you know she's a the kid just loves it she just loves running around and it's jumping around and things like that um and it's and it looks like a cartoon that you'd see on netflix maybe a little bit more grown up but for her it, she doesn't notice it she she doesn't notice anything about it she sees that it's this incredibly fun game that you have Shantae with all her friends that are working together and Shantae's you know she's she's a smart ass and she's willing to help whoever needs help but she also gets grumpy about it and you know she goes through all these different emotions and she's a she's a funny light-hearted character and the kid and I have been playing it and the game is is tough as nails but you know she'll get up to points to where I'll have to take over and we've just been having an incredible time with it and so um I noticed just before we started today that the older Shantae is on sale on PlayStation right now, so I'm going to pick that one up, and it's more the pixel art graphics ones. Um, but for anybody who knows who Shantae is, you know the parts I'm talking about that I didn't know about. I had never played a Shantae game, but for the most part, it's perfectly fine for a kid. Um, you're going to have to help them play it, but she's a fun character. It's, you know, I mean, if you need health, you do this little genie dance and turn into a tree and then you shoot fruit out of your hair or out of your branches and you pick up the fruit and you eat it to get health back. So if you want money, you turn into a jar and shoot money out of the jar. And, you know, it's just a really cool game of how it's made. And I've had, I'm having so much fun playing it. And she's in love with this character. She, We had to change the background on my on my computer to Shantae because she loves Shantae all of a sudden. And she'd never heard of her until two days ago, three days ago, something like that. <laughs> and she's just this cool... She she looks a lot like Jasmine from Aladdin. Um, and it's just this cool character that Chloe's completely in love with. And she thinks she's the coolest thing because she's a tough girl that, you know, gets out there and fights people. And I'm not going to let her play a game like Tomb Raider yet because, you know, I don't mind her exploring. But whenever she gets killed, that kid's not ready to see spikes go through people's faces. Um... Um, so I, I did mention Aloy, or I, I mentioned Horizon Zero Dawn, but the yep. protagonist in that is Aloy. Thought she was a really great example of a strong female protagonist in awesome. in recent memory. Yeah, like another great utilization of the bow and arrow. She's super resourceful, just so compassionate. I think they did a great job developing her character. Um and that game had immense success, and she's the only character you can play as in that game. Yep, and and the, I mean, it was it's such a strange idea for a game, um, you know, that you're fighting robot dinosaurs basically, and it's and it worked. It worked perfectly because they crafted the world, and she fit into it, and and you felt connected to it because of that, but. You know, you mm-hmm. you write it down on paper and say, "Hey, I'm going to make a game about this girl with a bow and arrow that shoots robot dinosaurs." And be like, "You're crazy," but it worked perfect, and it's a brilliant game. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. As someone who I think Chris, you and I have talked about this before, like I'm the person in games where if I'm riding my horse around in the environment, I I avoid people. I don't want to run people over or. From yeah. running through a crowd, <laughs> I don't bump into people, <laughs> and that's just that's just the way I prefer to play my games. And so, with Horizon Zero Dawn, when you're killing these machines, I like 
I loved that I like I still felt guilty sometimes because the machines are so animal like like you can tell which right. animals inspired that machine but you know it's made up of of parts it, it's not a living thing and so whenever right. you defeated one I didn't feel as bad about killing it and there's certainly a hunting element in the game as well but I thought they just they did such a great job of constructing that world and then fitting Aloy's character into that that world and creating a narrative that was enticing and made you want to keep going that was that was definitely for me a game that I I would sink hours into because it it was such a mystery you know where did she come from how was she born like it uh again like just such a such a compassionate character willing to help willing to be the person to go outside the norm leave her tribe or or whatever they were called just an incredibly strong representation of a female protagonist in gaming and she had I know this isn't the episode where we're going to be talking about the the form that they presented her in, but um, right. you know she I think was a great example of a athletic build, normal, more normal body, and they went bananas with all of the different uh, outfits you could put her in, and they were so freaking cool. I don't I don't know if anyone else experimented with her outfits as much as I did because, you know, they had different attributes and everything. But, um, again, I think just a really well-thought-out representation of a female protagonist. And and that's... I, I like that they did that. You're starting to see that more, more of the athletic build. And mm-hmm. with... You know, I played a little bit of Monster Hunter World. I mentioned it already. They, you know, I... I made a female character on there because I wanted to see what the game was like and then maybe Chloe would try it. And I was very surprised. Like, hey, this looks like a normal woman that fights giant beast with a huge sword that, you know, gets the shit kicked out of her. And she looks like she's been through some shit. And, you know, I I was like, wow, Capcom, you've come a long way. You know, you're you're making people look like real people now. And, um, you know, that's that's as deep as I'm going to get into uh, for that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it's... It's starting to become more common, and and it's cool because I can let Chloe get in there and play it and have fun with it. And I'm very impressed to see that happening more and more often. Yeah. And, you know, who know? Lara probably started it with the reboot of Tomb Raider. You know that because they did that with her there too. She mm-hmm. looked much more like a human. So. Yeah, and you see that too uh, a bit in Naughty Dog games like. Um, oh yeah. I can't remember Nathan Drake's now wife uh, i can't remember her name but she was a good example of a nice athletic build um you know more on the normal side than than usual uh but in the most recent uncharted uh the lost legacy the game was designed around the two female protagonists going on like a instead of like a bro adventure it was like girls adventure and it is so much fun uh, that's a game that I'm actually replaying currently. Um, I need to I need to try it out. I haven't yet. Oh well, I have a let's play it if you want to go watch it. <laughs> yeah, I may have to. It's it's Elena Fisher, by the way. Is Elena? Uh, that's what it is. Yeah. Yep, Elena. Um, 
But Chloe Fraser and Nadine, I think, are another incredibly strong representation of two two female protagonists, and they they just so beautifully carried on the Uncharted legacy. Like they have so much fun. They have a really great dynamic back and forth, and by the end, they you can just like really see their relationship developing and them becoming like really good friends, and. Both those girls also just get the crap kicked out of them. They're going on this rugged adventure, climbing up the face of a mountain or what have you. And See, um, that, that may be something that Chloe might like because it's named after her. I can just get her in a place where she can just run around and, you know, not fight or anything, but just have fun and run around in a little area. Well, so I, I may have to look at picking that up. Definitely give it a shot, but I will say... This one um, packs on the the combat pretty early on. Uh, like, it, at least in my opinion, um, in the Un- in Uncharted Four, I feel like you get a decent bit of exploration. Actually, that's yeah. not true. Uncharted Four opens with that boat chase scene, so yeah, so maybe yeah, a little off, the boat che- off base chase with that. But um, at least I feel like ball. after the boat chase scene, you get a lot more of the story where you learn the controls, you do some climbing, you you have the heist, you know, in in the in yeah. Italy or wherever you are. Um, but with the Lost Legacy, the combat is like straight from the beginning and uh if you've seen the game trailer uh you get to see kind of the dynamic of chloe and nadine fighting together and their style of fighting is a little more like uh i guess karate inspired or like you know actually uh more like they're doing like jump kicks and stuff whereas nathan and sam drake were a little like they're brawlers but yeah Chloe and Nadine just kick ass. Like the that's one thing I love about Naughty Dog games is that the controls feel so dynamic and so like even if you're continuously hitting the same button the moves are kind of like linked together in a way that they are articulated differently on screen if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. So the, the like there's no other way to describe that game than like these girls just kick some ass and it's them throughout carrying the entire story like i, I don't want to give too much away because someone big pops up uh, as one of their allies but it's it's just like nonstop fun very much like the other uncharted games just nonstop fun yeah, I'll have to check it out and then see if I can get the kid interested in it cuz i don't mind her she doesn't mind seeing fighting and doing stuff like that as long as it's not like gory you know heads popping off and stuff like that you know yeah that doesn't happen yeah we're we're fine with with her seeing violence because we explained to her this is not how you treat other people this is a video game and it's a pretend and she gets that that's that's all there is to it and that's a whole nother discussion for another podcast but you know i i have no problem with her seeing some violence i she just has trouble with playing through it you know she's she's not that good at games yet you know she's she tears me up in Mario Kart, but whenever you get into to something that's a little bit more action oriented and more fighting, she's she has a little more trouble with the three D stuff. Um, so you know she she couldn't sit down and play it yet, but soon enough she will. So I might as well pick it up. So 
so that we have it whenever she's ready. Yeah, there's definitely, like, it's an incredibly beautiful game, too. So when you have the opportunity to explore, like, you don't have to right away go to your next objective. Like, you can drive around a little bit, or there's, like, side missions where there isn't as much stake at, at there, there isn't as much steak to eat. No, <laughs> there, there, then I'm not taking it. There isn't as much at steak where you like won't get attacked right off the bat. Um, and you know maybe this is just a proof that I'm not very good at sneaking and keeping undercover, and that I just always blow my cover. But <laughs> um, if you if you do pursue the main storyline, you get um, uh, jumped multiple times. Uh, Heavy, heavy fire from from the bad guys. But again, don't want to go into too much detail if you haven't played it yet. Yeah, it's really weird that I haven't played. I mean, I sent you a picture of Nathan Drake, the statue I have of Nathan Drake just before that. Like Uncharted is one of my favorite series. It's weird I haven't played it yet. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, I'll pick it up soon. Yeah, but, it's, you know, it's worth a play for sure. Yeah, I want to. I just I haven't had time. I have so many other things we have to we have to get through and cover. So I gotta got to make time for it but it, it's it's one of those that i definitely want to dive into and and i liked chloe a lot i thought chloe was an awesome character in the in the uncharted numbered series she was always fun in that and uh you know interesting character that you wanted to trust but you knew better than to trust um and, and she was just a, a really cool addition to to kind of a foil to Nathan Drake through the stories and she was she was awesome for Nathan in, in the story. So I, I I do want to see more of her. So yeah, I'll have to play that. She's mm-hmm. a, she's a great character. Mm-hmm. So and Nadine was too in in Uncharted 4 cuz she she didn't take shit, you know. She she ultimately knew better on how things needed to be handled than than what's his name that was her boss and he didn't listen to her, and uh, she was a really cool character. And as she came around, and there was a history, and I want to know what the the history of her and, and Nathan are because there was a history in there that they don't get into very much in the game uh, in Uncharted Four. So, yeah, now now you're making me want to go buy it right now. So yeah, it's it's definitely worth it. Um, and then one more character I wanted to talk about. I guess I have two more I want to talk about, but I know we I don't want to make this go too too long. Um, I know in The Last of Us, Ellie was just a, a kid, but um, well, I guess maybe we could talk about The Last of Us Part Two last because it hasn't come out yet. Um, yeah. So let me backtrack a little bit. Um, another person I wanted to touch on, uh, a game that I'm playing right now is Alien Isolation. Uh, and I know some of you might be thinking, oh, but that came out ages ago. Yes, it did. It sure <laughs> but I just worked up the courage only last <laughs> September to buy the game. <laughs> Um, because it looked so terrifying, um, but I've beat it already, and I just love it. And I'm uh, now, like I said, I'm playing it again, um, and I've been playing on nightmare mode. So if any of you guys are familiar with that one, it is a living hell. But Amanda Ripley in that game um, is just so awesome. Like again, such a strong female protagonist. She's an engineer. She gets shit done she she is a problem like she is the epitome of a problem solver in this game because she's taken on an indestructible enemy she is running around blowing 
stuff up in space and solving everyone else's problems and being helpful and not killing anyone. It's just, again, an incredible representation of a strong woman put in a very difficult situation. And you're able to connect with this character because they tied it in so beautifully into the original alien story, so much so that uh, Sigourney Weaver actually has a little cameo in there where you, uh, again, no, I don't want to spoil it if you haven't played it, but uh, obviously they have the same last name, Ellen Ripley, Amanda Ripley. So Amanda is Ellen Ripley, who is Sigourney Weaver in the original Alien movies. Uh, Amanda is her daughter, and this story in Alien Isolation picks up where Amanda is looking for her mother because her mother is lost. And if you guys don't know, after the end of the first Alien movie, the Nostromo, gosh, I don't, the spoilers, I guess. I mean, I hope you, I think it's, it's been, been long out enough long that, enough that, that like, the spoilers are okay at this point. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the first Alien movie, the Nostromo, which was Ellen Ripley's ship is, uh, is no longer, I'll just say that. And, um, so Alien Isolation picks up where her daughter, Amanda, is still looking for her mother because her ship was destroyed, presumably. And um, essentially another ship found a, a voice or a flight recording box and there's a message on it from her mother. So basically throughout the whole story of Alien Isolation, you're also you're essentially on the space station because you needed closure about what happened from your mother. And again, I I cannot speak highly enough about the way they portrayed Ripley because she does not outwardly attack other people. Like you're, you're not uh, rewarded for that kind of malicious behavior. And they like encourage so much with the gameplay mechanics problem solving and thinking creatively on how to get yourself out of like tight situations and it it is it is a tough game and let me tell you it is a terrifying game i think it gave me heart problems like i'll, I'll get to a save point and i'll like be like <gasps> like oh my god i was i was just i was holding my breath for the last 15 minutes like Oh, let me let me check my pulse real quick. Like I need to take a step back for a minute. Like, oh god, that game will put you on edge. I I think I played it. A little, I don't think I played it a whole lot. I I tried it out, and I don't know. There was something about it that didn't click with me, and it may be just that I don't like the the horror games for the most part. But what I played of it, I like the idea of it. I, I just I think other stuff was coming out at the same time, and I. I veered off that path and, and, you know, played these other things and never went back to isolation. But I, I do remember being impressed with what they did with it. It was very, it was a very different style of game than, than what you typically see. And it, it felt claustrophobic and it felt like there's always something watching you. And I, I, I liked the, that feeling that the game gave you. I just, uh, didn't play it very much. And I don't know. I, I, it may be that I just wanted a little bit more action in it, and and I just you know I I'd have to look to see what came out at the same time because I think something else came out that was big that I I really dove into at that time and then never got back to it. Um, the Evil Within. No, oh, I didn't wait, play you don't that. like horror games. 
Um, yeah, I didn't play that. I would have to just, I would just have to look at when it was released and see what else came out at that time to see if I could jog my memory. But it's not a big deal. It came out in October of 2014. So maybe, maybe Shadow of Mordor came out at that point because I, yeah, that's, that's what the problem was. It was September that Shadow of Mordor came out. Um, so just a week before it and, I played Shadow of Mortar for like three months straight, nonstop. So, um, that's probably why I didn't get very much into into Alien because I was just so into Shadow of Mortar at that point. Ah, uh, so, that's understandable. I, I mean, uh, I know, I definitely know it's a not a game for everyone, especially if you don't like horror. But yeah. uh, if you are looking for a more of a shooter game, uh, apparently there is an Alien game in development that's going to be more of a shooter style. I have no idea how they're going to do that, though, because you can't kill an alien by shooting it. So I'm interested to see where that's going to go. But to continue on to the last uh, female protagonist I wanted to talk about, uh, Ellie from The Last of Us. Woo! So everyone knows, or not everyone, but I hope a lot of people know of The Last of Us. Uh, It's definitely hailed as one of, like, the the greatest examples of storytelling in video games um and i know joel is the main protagonist in part one but there are little sequences where you get to play as ellie and there's the uh dlc where you can play what is it called it's called uh left behind or something like that where you actually Um, play a bit as ellie uh yeah i'll I'll look at what it's called pretty sure it's called left behind um but I thought it was incredible that, that they were able to portray this, I think she's 12, 12-year-old, 12 as this, like, capable firecracker of a, of a kid. Like, she's gone through so much crap, as we know. She, her parents died with the outbreak, and she was bitten and survived, and is apparently the cure that, you know, for this terrible outbreak. And, uh, you know, at a certain point in the game, Joel hands her a gun and she's, she's like has his back while he's fighting all of these, uh, hostiles. And, and then now, uh, if you guys have been following all of the hype leading up to part two, which is coming out later this year, um, we see a grown-up Ellie, and there have been so many hints of, like, maybe she's pregnant or uh, there's something going on with a baby. I know that much. But I think The Last of Us Part Two is going to take a really interesting direction with the way that they use uh, these female protagonists in the storyline because it looks like there's going to be a lot uh, a lot of new characters introduced to us, a lot of... A lot of female characters introduced to us um again i uh if you haven't watched the trailers that have been released for the game definitely go ahead and have a look at them because they are intense let me tell you but that that first trailer where she's just playing the guitar no 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 there's a another that's oh sorry go ahead oh uh, i was just gonna say that that sold me alone like that was such you can show me all the gameplay footage you want, and and I, I do want to see gameplay footage. But that trailer was so well done that I was just like, man, this is like they've set the mood. 
it's you know this is such, it's a beautiful trailer it's beautiful how she plays the guitar you know i mean they, it's just a they're really really building her up to be a a big character and, and i'm really looking forward to it as a in, in this game so i'm really looking forward to what they're doing with it yeah i i couldn't agree more they i've heard that the first the first installment was supposed to focus on kind of um love and second chances i guess and kind of the like the role of the protector that joel took like you know he was kind of finding a another chance at having a relationship with, with someone that he sees as a daughter through ellie yeah and yeah he was dad again yeah and so. then the second one like is taking a completely different turn with ellie like kind of it seems like on a rev- path to revenge sort of like kill bill style you know and um it's supposed to be a lot darker and focusing more on these like negative feelings of hate and anger. And I I agree. I'm really interested to see where it's going to go. And the last of us was a game that definitely weighed on me emotionally. It was probably the first video game that ever made me cry. I think, and I'm not afraid to admit that I am, I am a crier. I, I can cry at the drop of a hat. So I will, I will own that. But, um, I'm I'm a little nervous to see where two's gonna go in terms of the emotional roller coaster we're gonna go on because it's gonna be heavy. I can I can tell. Yeah, so Last of Us my wife generally she's not a gamer. She doesn't sit down and watch games very often, but I made her watch the beginning of Last of Us and she couldn't watch it after the first what is it, ten minutes or so. Yeah. She was on the edge of her seat. Chloe was three years old at that point. Um and it was too much. She couldn't handle it. It was, it was uh, just in the first ten or fifteen minutes of the first Last of Us, where they're still learning what they're doing with, with the characters in the games, and getting everything in place. They hit you hard, and so once we get to this, now that we have this background, and and for those who know the story, you know where we're going. We get to this new story. You know that that's why that first guitar trailer. It just, I mean, it just, it hit me so hard because it was beautiful and it feels like there's so much behind it. And I'm trying to stay away from too much, which in my current line of work is hard to do. But Last of Us, I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of stay away from because I want to be surprised by stuff the same way that I was surprised in La- in the in the original Last of Us many times, but especially that first 10 minutes. And so, you know, that one trailer was enough for me. It's just, she, she doesn't look happy she looks like she's pissed just surviving yeah and but but she's playing playing the guitar and correct me if i'm wrong but i mean that that looked like like a was that guitar joel's guitar am i thinking there's a guitar in another game um i'm not entirely sure to be honest but um i'm worried that I'm worried that Joel's going to be dead or he dies somewhere, and I'm not ready to face that yet. But uh, continue I'm, your thoughts, sorry. I'm, I'm interested, because, and, and maybe I'm completely off on the guitar part, but for some reason that I, I just felt like that's Joel's guitar and she's playing it, but I could be totally off on that. It's been a long time since I played Last of Us, and I don't remember every little bit about it. I've played so many games in between it. But in that trailer, as it zooms out, it, I feel like that's Joel that's coming in to say hi, but I could be completely off. It is. They talk um, for a while. Have you not watched the trailer all the way through? 
Oh, I only watched the original trailer where they cut right as they showed the black outline of a man. Oh, well, I don't think I ever just saw that part. Like, there's there is more to it. And, oh, um, well, I'll have to go look at it then. Well, if you're going to go look at it, you should also watch the other trailer that doesn't have Ellie or Joel in it. Um, again, I don't mean to, like, overhype it. I'm just very excited about where this game is going because it looks to be very, very dark. All I'm going to say about the trailer that I've been referencing multiple times now is that someone... <laughs> There's a hammer involved and elbows and someone uh almost getting hung so you just you gotta you gotta take a look it is it is very intense very very heavy very real yeah i mean that's how distanced i've been from this game i didn't even know there was a trailer that had joel in it so um so yeah i'll have to go look at that stuff because i've I've been avoiding it like the plague, but I can't. I mean, I can't at this point. I, I you know, that was before I, I got back into writing and stuff like that. So I have to, I have to look at this stuff. So, um, yeah, I'll go check those out tonight in the morning and, and see the stuff that's coming out. Cause I'm, I'm excited about that. That's one of the, the big games on my radar. Um, you know, with, with the obvious other ones that are coming out this year that, that are big, um, but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to what they do with it. I I think her character was awesome. She she felt very unique to me, and I didn't know she was that young in the game. I mean, she's seen, and obviously she's going to be. She's not going to seem like a twelve year old girl in that kind of world, but she seemed much older to me in the game, and so it's uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be it's gonna be good stuff, and I'm excited about that and. I'm glad it's going that way. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm all for having, like I talked about whenever I was talking about Shantae, having representation because Chloe doesn't want to play as boy characters and that's fine. So make some games where there's girl characters that she can play with and identify with or give the option at least. And, you know, story-based games is a little bit different, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that needs to continue to go down that path just for you know for her like that's what was so great about infinity is she got to pick who she wanted to be and she still got to go through stories and i think there's there's plenty of places where that can be done it's just is not being done enough yet and and we're getting there and i think that's what this whole podcast has been about i mean if we would have done this let's say five years ago well most of the stuff was like 2013 or so is whenever it started so let's say eight years ago we wouldn't have had a whole lot to talk about. And so, you know, we're kind of seeing a, a big revolution in, in real female characters really showing up in games. You know, females have been in games for a long time, but not leading roles like in Horizon or or in The Last of Us 2, which is what it looks like it'll be there, and, and in Uncharted and stuff like that. You know, it, that kind of stuff is really, really recent. And, you know, that, that shows a lot of promise that, that the industry is starting to embrace the fact that it's not just a whole bunch of dudes playing games. You know, there's, I think the actual numbers are there's more women that play games than men now. So, you know, it's, they're finally getting to that point. So I'm, I'm happy to see it. And, and I think that's the, I, I, I think that it's crazy that 
that on the PS3, we couldn't have had this conversation. And that was not that long ago. So, yeah, you know. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I am I'm a fan of games with a strong narrative. I love action games, as you can tell from all of the examples that I talked about in, the, in this episode. But I, I couldn't agree more. It's so amazing to get to see female protagonists like this because from what I can tell, like guys have just as much fun playing as girls. So the more the more girls that we can get into video games, that's awesome. And I think it's only gonna continue to get better and there's gonna continue to be more detail in these characters. They're gonna be more lifelike. The writing is just gonna continue to improve, like uh, or so I hope. <laughs> So it's it's just been such such a pleasure to get to talk about this on in March International Women's Month. Woo! Go women and and go these awesome fictional characters. Like yes, I I know they're fictional, but hey, it is it is awesome to see representations of women like this in our media because our media and our consumption of that media is what shapes who we are, not only as individuals but also as as a country, as a world. And the more we can see strong, more realistic representations of women kicking ass, doing their thing, you know, that, that's only going to em- empower and improve us as, as people. Uh, yeah, so follow us um, at gaming underscore history on Twitter. You can find us on the web at gaminghistoria.com. Um, that's the home for this show as well. That this is all going to fall under the same network with Gaming Historia and the other shows that we do, Chloe and Chris and all that stuff. We'd love to hear from you. And then uh, I guess we'll see you next week with uh, some more In Search of the Story. Yeah. Woo. Go women. <laughs> Happy International Women's Month. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>